Awesome. So tonight, shaped, or this morning, shaped by stories. Um, this is the title of my message, and this is the first week of Scripture. We're going to have two weeks of Scripture. Um, and when I say Scripture, um, you're gonna, we're talking about the Bible. We're going to talk about the Word of God. Maybe you call it something else. But essentially, Scripture is a major spiritual discipline in the apprenticeship of Jesus. For anyone who wants to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, Scripture is not just a spiritual discipline, it's one of the core spiritual disciplines or what we call practices of following Jesus. If you want to become more like Jesus, if we want to be with Jesus and we want to go and do what He did, yeah, be, become, do, then we're going to have to be a people who not just read and practice Scripture, we're going to have to be a people who build our lives on top of the Word of God. Can I get an Amen. We need to be people who build our life on top of His Word. The Word cannot be just an appendage, a little extra thing that we have and we do a little verse every now and then. We have a verse on our calendar. We have a verse in our car. The Word of God has to be deeply ingrained in us. We must meditate on it day and night, the Bible says. We need to get it in our head. We need to get it in our hearts. And we need to let the Word of God shape us. Because, yeah, we are shaped by stories that we hear and that we listen to. And this morning, that's really what I want to talk about. This morning, I'm going to say explain what the Bible is and why we should read it. And then next week, we'll talk about how do we practice it, how do we read it, and then what it does to us as we do that. So what is it and why do we need to read it? Um, you've probably heard that someone, you know, we can call the Bible different things. You've probably heard there's a lot of opposition to the Bible. You've probably heard some questions about, you know, how can we verify it? How do you know it's true? How can we trust the Bible? And those are really good questions. They're, they're, they're reasonable questions and I think they're valid questions for every disciple of Jesus or whether you even believe in Jesus or not. At some point in time, we should all ask ourselves, yeah, why do I believe in the Bible? And maybe you're sitting here, you've never asked yourself that. You just believe because someone told you to believe or you just believe because that's what everyone else is doing. I'd like you to today leave with some kind of uh, appreciation or some kind of understanding of, of why you actually believe in the Bible and why we can trust it. Because we must believe in faith that the Word of God is the Word of God, but we also need to be able to reason it for ourselves so that we can then share that with people who come against us, people who maybe question us, people who ask us sometimes, why do you believe what you believe? Because we need to understand if the Bible is God's Word, then it is the most important story ever told. And it's the most important story you'll ever read. And of all the stories in the world right now today, there's many stories. Culture has a story. There's so many different narratives that are out there in society. There's literal books, different stories. There's always stories out there. And every day we're being shaped by the stories we believe, yeah? The stories we listen to, media, social, um, social media, TV, just conversations. We're listening to information and they're, and they're creating stories in our minds, narratives that we believe. And those narratives and those stories shape us. They form our beliefs. They decide what we will do and what we won't do. And those beliefs then dictate our behavior and our behavior dictates really our destiny, who we become as a man or a woman of God. So the stories we believe are doing something to us and you will become the stories you believe. Yeah, the story you live in is a story you will live out. The story that you craft in your mind and that you put your faith in will be the story that shapes you and crafts you. Therefore, the Bible is so important that we understand the story of the Bible. Because if we're shaped by stories, what stories are we going to be shaped by? What story do you want to be shaped by? In, in the 2023, right now, in where are we? We're in, in May. What story is shaping your life? 
What story are you believing about yourself, about God, about your life, about the future, about eternity? What story are you believing? Because there's either the stories that I'll put under the umbrella of culture or there's the stories that come under the umbrella of Scripture. And we must continually choose to be shaped by the story of Scripture. We must continually choose to place our faith in the story of Scripture. Even when culture says something, even when our family says something, even when life says something contrary, different to our experience of Scripture, we must choose to say, hey, I want to be shaped by Scripture. This is a story that I want to shape my life. Are you with me, church? It's so important. And I believe you've believed a lie before. Some of us have maybe been scammed. We got scammed a few months ago. It's a great scam. Scam me good. $240 we got scammed. I won't go into it. It's actually a really good scam. Um, if you're ever trying to scam anyone, let me know and I'll tell you how I got scammed and there you go. Um, I've believed the lie um, by getting scammed. I've believed the lie thinking, I remember growing up as a kid, I always thought I'm not good enough. And not like as a person, more like I, I don't have enough in the tank to finish something. I'll start something and I used to get that lie. You won't be able to finish this. You won't be able to, you know, be on the basketball team and actually train and, and play well on the team. You won't be able to finish that assignment. You won't be able to, and I would not start things because I literally believed the lie that I didn't have enough in the tank. And I needed that encouragement. I needed that. And growing up, the Lord, even preparing this message, has, you know, showed me that. What lie have, have I believed? What lies have maybe I allowed to be in my narrative of my mind, my mindset, these thoughts in my mind, that how I've allowed to be there that have stopped me or shunted me or prohibited me from becoming the person that God has called me to be. I believe you've maybe believed some lies and maybe today there's even some lies in the inner narrative of your mind that we want the scripture to shape it, to expose it and to transform it today. Amen? Because scripture is so important. So with the time that I do have, how do we know the scripture is true? How can we trust it? This is our definition of scripture. And I'm just quickly going to break this down and then answer that question for you. Okay. Scripture is a library of writings, both divine and human, that tell a unified story leading us to Jesus. Amen. Our King. Scripture is the infallible, sufficient and authoritative word of God. This is what scripture is. If you're like, what is the Bible? This is what it is. And I'll start by saying it is a library of writings. Yeah, the Bible, although it is one book, it is not one book. It's 66 books. Yeah, and it's important to know that. And I'm not going to harp on it long, but we need to understand there's 39 yeah, books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. And every one of these books comes under a different category or different genre, a different liter uh, literary style. Um, and just like you wouldn't... Um, just like you wouldn't read a novel, a fictional novel, a love story, and you wouldn't read it maybe literally because you know it's made up. You can't read some things in here as literal because they're poetic, they're poems. They're not meant to be literal, they're meant to be figurative. They're meant to tell you a story. Some parts of this is, is a narrative. It is a story and it is truth. But if we approach it as it's a fantasy, we approach it as just a fictional story, we're going to miss out on the truth of what God is saying in His Word. There's so many different genres, so many different literary styles, and we must, we approach this as one book, and it's just one genre, and it's just, we, we flatten it, we make it so simple sometimes that we actually miss the beauty of the complexity and, and, and the depth to this Word of God that we have in our hands, that we have in our homes. The Bible is one story, but it has many styles, and we must understand and approach it with that kind of yeah, understanding. So it's a library of books, not just a book. Um, I've written here, 
The 66 books contain a, a variety of genres. You've got history, poetry, prophecy, wisdom literature. There's letters in there. There's ap, um, ap, uh, I've gone blank how to even pronounce that word. Apocalyptic. There we go. Come on. That was deep in there. Ap apocalyptic, just to name a few. Yeah. Woof. Revelation and Daniel. That's an apocalyptic. I'm not going to say it again. That literature. Okay. Woof. There we go. So one story, many styles, yeah? We've got to approach it the right way. We also have to understand that it's both divine and human. Divine meaning from God, inspired by Him, and human meaning it's written through humans like you and I. Some people, they believe the Bible is all fantasy and it's all made up because it's written by humans, and that is a horrible extreme. Some people on the other extreme think that this book literally fell from the sky, like some other religions believe that. They got given this in some cave, yeah? This Bible did not come out of the sky. It's not like Mormonism or something that just divinely came to someone. This has been written with both divine and human intervention. Yeah, It's God's inspired word, but it's also written through humans because it's for humans. Um, 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 to 17 says this. All scripture, everybody say all scripture. Is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work? Woo! We could talk about all those, we could break down all those little things that the Word of God is for, but I just want to focus on that all scripture is God breathed. It is breathed from God. We have to believe, as, as someone who wants an apprenticeship under Jesus, that God's Word is breathed by God, it's come from Him. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says a similar thing, he, and he's referring to the Word of God as prophecy. Yeah? He says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This means that when people spoke, they're not just, the authors of the Bible didn't just write something from their own origins, from their own inner you know, recesses of their mind or their hearts. They wrote inspired by God, but they were superintended by the Holy Spirit. And it says that they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were led. So we have divine and human coming together, very similar to Jesus, yes? Both God and man. And we've got to believe this because the Bible is one of the only very few actual scriptures out there, holy texts, that claims to be divine. Hinduism texts, um, Chinese sacred writings, um, what else have I got here? Even um, Buddhist texts, they don't actually claim to be divine. And we actually don't know that. It's like a little secret under there that sometimes we just think everything thinks they're divine. The Bible is pretty elite in that it actually claims to be divine and then it goes and backs it up. But Hindu texts, Buddhist texts, um, oral sacred Chinese writings, they, don't, they never actually claim to be sacred. They never claim to be from God. They're from humans for human speculation, yeah? So the Bible is divine because it's from God and it claims to be divine. And obviously Islam and Mormonism, because they come out of this book, they also claim yeah, divinity. Um, but I'll show you in a second why even Christianity still um, is elevated above those. But not only is it divine, it's also human. Yeah, and well, this is pretty simple, but the Bible was written by men. It, it was written by people who were inspired by God. I've written here... The 66 books of the Bible were put together by kings, prophets, peasants, fishermen, scholars, and shepherds, 40 authors in total. Yeah, 40 different people put this book together, not just one. 
So it's not just a bias. Someone sat down and just wrote it and said, this is how, who God is. This is how the world is. If one person wrote this, it would be even very hard to believe just one person's opinion of how the world came to being. True? But we've got 40 different authors over a long span of time in different regions, in different places, all writing about the same God, the same story, one message, one common theme, and yet there's no contradictions. And yet it all seamlessly comes together because it is divine and human. In spite of this diversity, in spite of having so many authors, in spite of, of, of being both divine and human, it has one unified story leading to Jesus. You've heard it said that the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, is Christ concealed. He's in there, but he's concealed. And the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, is Christ revealed. And that's true because the whole Bible is one unified story that leads us to Jesus. If you read it right and you read it with the Spirit of God, you will see Jesus. You'll see Jesus in the story. You'll see Jesus in the, in the little motifs, in the undertones. You'll see Jesus yeah, from Genesis to Revelation in the inspired Word of God. And because that the book is divine and because it's human and because it leads us to Jesus, this is why we believe it's infallible. This is why we believe it's sufficient and this is why we believe it's the authoritative Word of God. Infallible means that it's without error. It doesn't contain error and therefore it is trustworthy source of truth. If there were errors in the Bible, then we couldn't trust it. And if we can't trust it, then how can we call this truth? There wouldn't be a, a, a source of truth for us. But because it doesn't have errors, because it is inspired, and although it was written by broken, fallen people, but God, through the Holy Spirit, has carried them along the way, we can say that this is infallible. Infallible means it has no errors. It is sufficient because we believe that God has spoken everything we need through the Holy Spirit in this book. It doesn't mean he won't speak out of it. It doesn't mean he won't speak other things to us inspired by this book. But it does mean that everything we need to know God, to walk in the fullness of the kingdom, for you to be the person that God has called you to be, you can find the breadcrumbs or the clear commandments in this book. And as you read this with the Holy Spirit, it is all sufficient for you. We don't need to rewrite some other book. We don't need to look elsewhere in another text. Other historical texts can be useful to glean and to learn some different facts, but this is the inspired Word of God. It's infallible, it's sufficient, and therefore it is the authoritative Word of God. Now, authority is a word that we're allergic to sometimes in our culture now. No one wants to be under authority. Everybody wants to defy authority, wants to rebel against authority. That's okay. It's not new. Genesis 3, we see it right there. Yeah, right in the garden. We're all like our great-great-grandfather and great-great-grandma, Adam and Eve, yeah? They want to define it for themselves who will be the ultimate authority. But we believe that the Word of God is the authoritative Word of God, which means it has the highest authority in all creation, which means what it says must trump what I say or what you say or what your mom or dad says. What a government leader says, the Word of God has the highest authority. That means it has the highest moral law. It has the highest moral ethic. It has the highest word on any given subject that it is found within its contains. The Word of God is the authority of God, which means it's not just there to be read, it's there to be obeyed. It's not just there to be talking about in our little small groups and discussed in Hebrew and Greek. It's there to be read and obeyed, to be followed and to be shaped by the authority of God's Word. I've written here, God's Word contains absolutes that do not shift, they do not change. That as disciples we are to obey and to follow. Amen? Amen. This is the Bible that we believe. And if the Bible contains 66 books written by 40 different authors over 
a span of 1,500 years, written in three different languages, on three different continents, with no historical errors or contradictions. From Genesis to Revelation, we know that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, that's not why we just believe the Bible, because if we only believe the Bible because the Bible tells us to believe the Bible, then... Why don't, why don't we believe the Quran? Because that tells us to believe it. Um, Mormonism tells us to believe it because it's inspired. What di- di- differentiates the Bible from um, the Quran and what differentiates the Bible, the Word of God, Scripture, from the Book of Mormon is that the Bible is therefore verified and authenticated by Jesus Christ and Him alone. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, it's the one defining factor that elevates Christianity above every other world religion. And because Jesus Christ rose from the dead and the historical data is there, there was an execution, it's in history. There was an empty tomb, it's in history. We do have the early records of God moving and and we see the eyewitnesses. We see the emergence of the church. They are eyewitnesses and with the emergence of a church when in a time where you're getting persecuted and killed, it doesn't make sense as if, only if it's true. Why were all these people choosing to be under a, a religion that led them to be killed? It doesn't make sense. And when you understand that Jesus is who he says he was and he rose from the dead, well, what did he have to say about the scriptures? He believed in the Bible. He was shaped by the Bible. Jesus himself, the one who rose from the dead, he said this about the Bible. He said this in John 5.39. We don't have this one on the screen, but you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. In Luke 24, verse 27, what else did Jesus say about the Bible? It says, and, the, and he's walking on the road to Emmaus, there's two disciples, and he starts to show them the scriptures and himself in them. It says, and beginning with Moses, which is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and all the prophets, that's the rest of the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. So if Jesus rose again, proving his identity as the Son of God, talks about the Bible, verifies the Bible, tells us that the Bible should be believed in, then therefore Jesus authenticates the integrity of the Word of God. So I don't believe the Bible because the Bible tells me to believe the Bible. I believe in the Bible because I believe in Jesus. And Jesus is an irrefutable fact. His resurrection therefore proves the integrity of this book. Do you understand me? So we can understand that the Bible is true because of Jesus. And Jesus authenticates the Bible. Yeah, we can't be hoodwinked or sidetracked by believing something just because if I say, hey, believe in this because I said it's true. And, you can, and we have prophecies and we have so many things. But Jesus ultimately is the reason why I believe in this book. From what he's done in scripture, but what he's done in my life and my own testimony. So if, if you want to know, can you trust the Bible? Well, then look at the person of Jesus. The answer is yes. We can trust the Bible, church. The Bible is so much more than a book that we just occasionally read. The Bible is given to us by God to totally shape, transform, mold, and reveal who we're called to be. And as we look in this um, practice, I'm believing that the Lord is going to call some of us to read ourselves into a revival. You're going to open the Bible no longer as just some book that you come, become familiar with. We want to read this book and this book is just an end, a means to an end. The end is Jesus. We want to read this book and meet God. We want to read this book and have our hearts stirred. We want to read this book and have our life changed by the person, the author of this book. We're not reading this book over these next four weeks in life groups and we're going to put some things together and we're going to 
read large portions of it. We're going to memorize some bits of it. We're going to do some slow reading. We're going to journal. Why? Not because we want information, but we want transformation. We want the God of the Bible to be the God of my life, the God of your life. And unless we're in the Word, then we're going to miss out on the God of the Word. Yes, He speaks outside the Word. Yes, He can speak to you. But I believe if you want to have a living encounter with the living Word, who is Jesus Christ, then you've got to get in the written Word. But as we go into the written Word, we're going to have a face-to-face, head-on collision with the love of God and with the person of Jesus Christ. So I guess with the time that we have left, which is kind of my time's up, I'm going to share uh, just one thought from a story in Matthew chapter 24 to 27. And I'm just going to quote it for the sake of time. But why should we read the Bible? I've got four reasons. I'm going to give you one. One reason is in Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27, we've got Jesus tells a parable of, a, of two people. Both these people hear what he's saying, hear what he's preaching. One goes out and does it, and one just listens and doesn't apply it. And he calls one wise and one foolish. They're both building houses. And he says, the wise man builds his house on the rock. And the rock represents the word of God. It represents obeying the words of Jesus. The, the foolish person hears the same words and doesn't, he doesn't build on them. And what he builds on is sand. It's soft. It's, it's malleable. In the weather, when the storm comes, Jesus says, both people experience a storm, mind you. Both people go through the same hardship. Both people suffer circumstantial problems and, and opposition. And the one who's built on the rock of the Word of God, which is the living Word, Jesus Christ, he remains. The storm actually just founds him even more. It makes him even stronger. However, the one on the sand, he falls and says, great was the fall. Great was the fall. And I just want to put to us today that there has never been more of an important time in history, I believe, to read the Word of God. There's never been a more important time for you and I to know what God says about the world, about ourselves, about creation, about His design for us, about eternity. Because right now we're living in a time where there's storms. And I like to suggest to you that the storms represent hard times, they represent things that we're going to go through. And notice God never promised you a storm-free existence. Yeah, church? He never said we'll be storm-free. He said the storm's going to come. He actually says you're going to have trouble in the world, but take heart, I've already overcome it. It takes a sting out of death. Amen? That means that we're under pressure all the time. And I feel like culture, I feel like circumstances are like those storms. They put pressure. And like the storms in Jesus' parable, they put weight on the house. The wind blows on the house. And the pressure applied, it tests the foundations of our lives. And right now, there is a loud voice. There's a loud push from culture. External people, our families whatever voices, but there's all these pressures coming from the culture and the culture wants us to crumble. It wants us to fall and it's going to put a pressure on us. And if you are not founded on the written Word of God, on the living Word of God, then you will fall and you will experience, I will experience loss. And I'm not talking about you dying or something. I'm talking about you experience loss in your marriage, loss in your children, loss in your finances, loss in your own soul, loss in your mental health, loss in your life, loss in your friendships, loss in your calling, loss in your purpose. You experience loss anytime you allow culture to shape you so you're founded on sand, temporary things, rather than being shaped by Scripture, on the Word of God, the eternal rock of God in Jesus Christ. God right now is saying, hey, I want a people to be founded on my Word. 
I'm looking for a people to be shaped by scripture, not by culture. A people who will be shaped by my word, shaped by my redemptive story, shaped by who I say I am and who I say you are. Because the world over here, he wants to, it wants to label you, wants to give you a name, wants to give you a narrative, wants to give you a story that is contrary to what God says about you. And here it doesn't say those who believe in Jesus are on the rock. It says those who apply the words. Which means just because you believe in Jesus doesn't mean you're on the rock. You can be believing in Jesus, a great believer. You believe everything in the Bible, but you don't apply it. You don't read it, you don't do it, and you're on the sand. And then when trouble comes, we actually, our house falls, we blame God. We say, I believed in you and look what happened to me. But Jesus gives us this parable so we know we don't want to just believe in Him and listen to Him. We want to read His Word, to know His Word. Why? To obey, practice His Word. And I really sense that the Lord is saying, as culture is, the culture is turning up the heat, we don't need to be afraid of that. We need to love and represent Christ to the world, but we can only do that right if we're shaped on the Scripture. Because pressure is coming and it is coming. It's going to get worse, I believe. And we need to be filled with God's Word. The, 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 the pressure inside of us must be greater than the pressure out of us. The Word of God must be consumed by us so that we can withstand the pressure that will be applied in days to come. And I really sense the Lord saying, my people need to know my Word. My people need to be in my Word. My people need to be set free by my Word. Romans 12 verse 2 says that don't be conformed by the culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. This is the message version. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention. It says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Amen. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Yeah, God is calling us to be a people shaped by Scripture, not by culture, so that the pressure of God's Word inside of us will be able to withstand the pressure that's going on around us. Amen. And just to finish, I'll give you this analogy. You've probably seen this. I've got two cans here. One is empty. Thanks to Hayden. Kind of damaged the can. Uh, that's all right. And then we've got another can which is full. And the point I'm trying to make here as we finish is that what's inside of us must be stronger than what's outside of us. So this, is, this represents two believers, yeah? We'll say, for the sake of my analogy this morning, on my left is a believer who lives based on the Word of God, the wise master builder. And here we have the foolish builder. A same believer, he's the same things this guy hears, but he doesn't apply the Word of God. Now, I'm going to place my foot on top of this can, note the can is empty, has nothing inside of it. And when I place the pressure of my body weight, what do you think is going to happen to this can? It's going to crush, yeah, quite easily. Yeah, because what's inside of it, has, there's no, it's not strong, stronger than the force being exerted on top of it. The pressure that I just applied on my foot was not strong enough inside to withstand that pressure. However, when we're filled, yeah, with God's Word, like this can of Coke over here, the pressure that's inside of this can should, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping can withstand the pressure of my weight. I think I'm, I don't know how many kilos these days, but 80 something kilos. Here we go. Awesome. 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 Come on, that's 80 plus now. Ooh. As you can see, this can has, is stronger, has an inner strength that's greater than the outer strength of my body weight. And what if you and I were so filled with the Word of God 
We had God's Word written on our hearts, on our minds. That when voices, when culture, when people, with family, with friends, with, with, with your boss, whatever, when the, the devil himself comes to whisper a lie in your spirit, to drop a little thing in your mind, that what is inside of you is greater than what's on the outside of you. That because you've given time to know God's Word, then you can hear the Word of the Lord in that moment. The Holy Spirit can remind you of truth, but he, He's going to reveal truth to you as you know what truth is. You need to have the Word of God in you for Him to bring the Word of God out of you. We need to be filled with God's Word, consumed by God's Word so that the pressure of culture, the pressure of the world and the pressure of the devil cannot squash us. Come on, we need to know the Bible. How many of you know the devil knows the Bible? He's tempting Jesus and Jesus says, I'm not going to do that. And He says, hey, the angels will carry you. Psalm 90 says that. He goes, Jesus, I raise you one. Jesus quotes scripture and the devil says, I raise you one. He quotes another scripture to Jesus. Some of you, if you were in a combat with the devil, he might out-strategize out you because you don't know your word. And if we don't know our word, we're going to be hoodwinked. We're going to be lied to, be kept astray and believe a lie that's going to make us be crushed like that can over there. I hear God saying, I want a people like this. I'm calling my people to be like this. Everyone is invited to be this. Even if you've made mistakes, you've been crushed, that's okay. He wants to fill you afresh. Even if you've fallen down because you didn't follow what God said, that's okay. His mercies in you every morning. Even if you've walked away from your call, you've walked away from what you've said or done, He's calling you back to His Word, back to Scripture, back to be shaped by Scripture. This year, real quick, Grace and I have experienced a bit of this. Yeah, a bit of pressure. Ooh. All sorts of pressure, all sorts of things have happened that just aren't convenient, that are really out of... Um, that are discomforting, that are annoying, that are maybe even disheartening. But I just know the start of this year, the Lord gave us a word. Yeah, He filled us like this can is filled. And the word was faith. He said, I want you to have faith this year. And we're like, awesome. We're going to move mountains. We're going to see miracles, faith. And all we've had is opposition, opposition, um, uncertainty, and all these things kind of happen. But I love how good God is that even before the storm comes, if you will get in His word, He'll give you a word. Because we were in the Word, He gave us a Word before the storm came. So when the storm came, like my foot and my body weight, we're not crumbling. Why? Not because we're awesome people. We're under construction. We're still learning. But the Word of God is inside of us. We're living on the Word of God. And the Word of God means you don't have to fall. The Word of God will carry you. The power of God's Word through His Spirit will carry you in every situation and every moment. Amen? So church, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. And I'm just going to pray some things over us. I felt the Lord say this morning, some of us have believed lies. Some of us have believed narratives. Some of us have believed stories. And those stories that we're believing are stealing our lunch. They're robbing from us. They're limiting what God can do in our lives because of the, the stories that we believe. God wants to bring healing. I believe He wants to bring provision. I believe He wants to call people to serve Him. And to serve Him confidently, knowing that they are they're actually made for this. He's made you for some things, but because you've believed the lie, that insignificant lie, that lie that says you're unworthy, that lie that says you're not good enough, like I heard for so many years of my life, that lie that says you're, you're shaped and you're now defined by what you've done or what's been done to you, those lies need to be replaced with God's truth this morning. Amen? So I'm just going to ask you right now, just allow the Holy Spirit to maybe... Bring to your mind, just say, Holy Spirit, show me any stories that I'm believing that are not of you. 
Holy Spirit, show people right now any lies that we've been believing that are not of you. Not based on Scripture. Not based on your Word. So we'll just wait a moment and just open your mind's eye. If you don't hear anything, that's okay, but just wait on the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.